Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you would like to learn more about us or want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. People are seeing you and seeing the favor of God and they're seeing how you respond to difficult situations. And they're drawing off of how you act. If you give up and if you give in, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna give up and they're gonna give in. But if you press on, if you continue the fight, they're going to see the ultimate victory that you have and it is going to increase their confidence as well. The Bible says our enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's no wonder our lives are filled with trials and tribulations. Our enemy is trying his hardest to bring us down. So how do we overcome him? The truth is, we can't unless we stand with Almighty God. That's the focus of today's message from Herman Mason, son of Pastor Eddie Mason. So I want to talk to you about Christian swag today. And I put Christian swag in there on purpose. So we're going to talk about what that is and, and what, I, what I feel like that means and why we've got to have the Christian part of swag to it. But before I do, I want to tell you a little story about confidence. It, it involves Bear Bryant and John McKay. Many of you know Bear Bryant as the former coach of the University of Alabama. And until Nick Saban came there, I mean, he was a god. He's still one of their gods, but Nick Saban has unplanted him or unseated him at the moment. So, but... But I did not really know a lot about John McKay. John McKay was also a pretty good uh, college football coach at the University of South Carolina. I'm sorry, that's wrong. I get in trouble for that. The University of Southern California, USC. And in fact, he won four national titles himself throughout his time there. He also coached in the NFL. Well, well John and, and Bear were out hunting ducks one day. And John says that they were there for three hours. And then all of a sudden, finally, one lonely duck came flying by. And Bear was so excited, he jumped up and he fired. And the duck's still flying today. And in that moment, Bear looked at John and he said, John, I want you to know something. Today you're witnessing a miracle, for there before you flies a dead duck. <laughs> you know, in life there's victories and there's defeats. As we grow and mature, those victories and defeats shape who we are, both in the flesh and in the spirit. But sometimes the outcomes of situations can appear like defeats when in fact they're victories. They're setting the table for a future victory. Moses reminds me a lot about this. When he came to Pharaoh the first time, he presented to him what God said, which was to let the people go. Let the children of Israel go. And not only did Pharaoh respond with rejection and tell him no, but he increased the workload of the slaves, of the Israelites at the time. As we all know, that ends up working out very badly for that Pharaoh. And it worked out very good for Moses and the children of Israel. But at that moment in time, it appeared as a defeat. Sometimes what looks like defeat in our life may in fact be setting the table for a future victory. But if we give up before that time, we'll never, uh, we'll never receive, we'll never see, we'll never experience 
that victory. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. I want to back up today and take you to the scriptures just before Moses' birth, and I want to set the table. I feel like God's going to have me preach on Christian swag for a few weeks, and this is kind of setting the table, kind of introducing you to what it is and how we can get it back in our lives. So if you'll look with me in your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 1, and I just want to read to you verses 6 through 12. It said, Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation... But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. And now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. It goes on to say, Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out, so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. I want to try to break this text down for you just a little bit today. And the first point I want to make is in verse 9. Notice in verse 9 it says, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. You see, Point number one is when you stand with Almighty God, you are blessed by God, and others will take notice. Amen. Now, sometimes people will take notice of that favor, and they will elevate your status because they recognize they're going to be blessed because you're blessed. Take Joseph, for instance. The Pharaoh of his day, we'll call him Pharaoh A. Pharaoh A saw God moving in Joseph's life, saw that Joseph was being blessed and wanted in on that. He saw that by having Joseph around, he too would be blessed. And he had the wisdom to see that, and so he elevated Joseph to a high position, the highest position he could give away in the land. He saw God's favor and elevated him. There are those times in our lives we're going to get things. We're going to get promotions. We're going to get gifts. We're going to get to the front of the line because the people in charge see God in us. They take notice and they elevate our status. Don't get that twisted. That has nothing to do with you personally. You see, we all have that opportunity. It's not Herman, it's not Josh, it's not Eddie. It's God inside of Herman, inside of Josh, inside of Eddie. And the same God that lives in me lives in you or can live in you, and people can begin to take notice of that. But there is another side. People can also take notice of the God in you, and they can see it as a threat. Look at Pharaoh. We'll call him Pharaoh B. This is the Pharaoh of Moses' time. I just read to you in verse 9. It said, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. He recognized how mighty they were. It wasn't just a number. He didn't just say they're more than we. He said they're more and mightier. How would he know that? There was no record of any fighting going on between the Israelites or the Egyptians. They weren't they weren't trying to rise up. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. But yet that Pharaoh, Pharaoh B, saw the mighty hand of God in their lives, and he got scared. He saw it as a threat. There are going to be those people in your life that don't understand the hand of God, and they don't want what you have because they think you're going to take what they have. And so they are going to try to bring you down. More importantly, they're going to see you as a threat, and they're going to try to take you out. So we have to remember first, when we stand with Almighty God, we are blessed, 
and people will take notice. Sometimes they'll take notice and give us favor, and sometimes they'll take notice and treat us as a threat. See, in verse 10, it says, Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply. And in the event of war, in the event of war, in other words, there wasn't war going on. This is a perceived threat by Pharaoh. People will perceive a threat in you if they don't understand the God inside of you. If you go to verse 11, it says, So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. You know, one of the things that stands out to me is the elephant story. It's amazing how that keeps coming back up. And Dad told it last week. But here you have a living example of the elephant story. You've got a people that have been recognized as more and mightier, and yet they don't even realize it themselves. So they allow themselves. Hear what I said. They allow themselves to be enslaved. There are times we allow ourselves to be imprisoned. We allow ourselves to be enslaved. With God, we are more and we are mightier than our enemy. It goes back to what we've been talking about. We've got to begin to see things in the spirit. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities of darkness. And when we begin to see it that way and we begin to fight that way, then we begin to have victory. But only when we begin to see it that way and only when we begin to fight that way. You see, just because you stand with Almighty God doesn't mean your days will be easy. Doesn't mean they'll be easy. There are scriptures that remind us that the peace of God passes all understanding. Then didn't we spend months talking about the full armor of God? Let me ask you this question. What's the need of the full armor of God if you're not going to be put into battle situations? Why would God take time to explain to us how to fight if we're not going to need to fight? If all of our days are going to be easy then why don't he just spend time telling us how to enjoy and relax the most? There's going to be war. There's going to be fights. We have to be prepared for that. And we have to know that we are not always going to have easy days. Look at it in 1 Peter 5, 8. Dad's been showing you a picture of a kitty cat looking in a mirror and seeing a lion. I want to give you a little bit different picture. In this picture, you see a kitty cat who's put on a mask to make himself look like a lion. Notice in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around what? Like a roaring lion. See, we let Satan be a lion in our lives sometimes. But we have to remember all he is is this little kitty cat putting on the lion face. He does not have the power or the presence of a true lion. He is constantly seeking someone to devour. Devour is to destroy ravenously. He doesn't just want to hurt you. He wants to destroy you. Why do you think you're going through something? Why does it sometimes not seem any easier the more you pray and the more that you, you, you put your faith in God? Because the enemy does not just want to hurt you, he wants to destroy you. It took 10 plagues, right, before the children were finally released, and then Pharaoh did change his mind again, and God ultimately took him out. If at any of those stages the children of Israel and, and Moses had given up, they would have never received their victory. If you're in your Bible still with Exodus chapter 1, back in verse 12, it says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and the more they spread out 
so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. You're going to be attacked. You see, when you stand with Almighty God, your enemy's attacks will create even more blessings in your life and even more fear in your enemy. Let me say that again. Not only are you going to get more blessing, but they're going to get more fear. I'm thinking about the blessing that Tammy and I got with our car. You know, we did stand with Almighty God for this blessing. And we did pray and we did have faith. But we did have some hard days too. And there were times we were tempted to give up and do things we shouldn't have. Go get a loan, go, go borrow, go, go do other things that we shouldn't have done. But God came through just like he always does. And as we got attacked more, we got blessed more. Sometimes you're being attacked to increase your faith. We prayed about that car for almost two years. God could have given us that vehicle any time he wanted. He chose to wait two years. And I know now one of the reasons he did. It has built my faith and increased my confidence with God. But it's also built some faith in other people that saw Tammy and I walk through this. I didn't even think about that. But people are seeing you and seeing the favor of God and they're seeing how you respond to difficult situations. And they're drawing off of how you act. If you give up and if you give in, guess what they're going to do? They're going to give up and they're going to give in. But if you press on, if you continue the fight, they're going to see the ultimate victory that you have and it is going to increase their confidence as well. So not only are you getting blessed, but the people around you are getting blessed as well. And isn't that a blessing to us? So our blessings increase when we're attacked and the enemy panics. Let's look at verse 15 and 16. It says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. Kind of makes me appreciate my name. <laughs> and he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. When you stand with Almighty God... The enemy changed tactics. How many of you have ever heard that, that bad things come in threes? Well, my car's broke down and my roof is leaking. I wonder what's coming next. Maybe you've been in that situation. What else can possibly go wrong? You see, Satan doesn't just stand pat with one attack. He's continually looking to find that chink in your armor. He's continually looking to try to find your weaknesses. He is changing up tactics to try to get to you. But if you look in verse 17, it says, The midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. You see, when you stand with Almighty God, he will protect you. When you stand with Almighty God, he will will protect you. You don't have to worry about anything. All you have to do is follow him. You know, I think back to the days when we would pick teams out on the schoolyard. I didn't call it a schoolyard, but I've heard it called a schoolyard. But anytime in the back, 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 uh, backyard at home in the driveway, you'd pick teams. You have two captains, take turns picking a person. You know, if we were out picking teams, the captain, I'd pick God and y'all could have everybody else. 
Because I know that when I pick God, I'm going to win every time. You can have everybody else. I don't care if there are 9 million people on your team. You're not going to win. See, when we stand with Almighty God, we're going to win every time. Problem is we don't always understand the journey. We don't always understand what's going on. And we start to get a little fearful and we start to look to ourselves for the solution. That's why we have to stand with Almighty God consistently, constantly. We have to look to Him in each and every situation. We need to get our swag back. You know, when I go to the gym, yes, I go to the gym. I'm working on it. <laughs> when I go to the gym, I ride the bike two or three times a week, and I listen to music. And I've discovered something. It's almost impossible, be, impossible for me to listen to Christian music while I work out on the bicycle. For me, Christian music is all about love and peace and forgiveness, and that don't motivate me to work hard at all. I got to have something that calls me a fool, and I got to get going, and I need to, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I need something to go. I need a swift kick in the back end. I listen to songs. One of my list two talks about I'm coming for payback. And as a Christian, you go, we're not supposed to go for payback. But see, that's what I want to talk to you about with Christian swag. We should go for payback. We just got to make sure who we're getting payback from. We don't need to get payback from our friends and neighbors and people in the world. We need payback from Satan. We sing a song that says, I'm going to take back what the enemy stole from me. That's payback. That's taking it back. And so I sit there and I ride the bike and I listen to payback and I start speaking to my fat and I start speaking to my sin and the sin of my life. I start speaking to Satan. I start speaking to it. I've had a couple people come up to me and ask me to quiet down a little bit, but you know. I'm in the moment. I'm excited. I'm getting my swag back. If you didn't catch on to all the, all the slides, swag stands for standing with Almighty God. Swag comes from the word swagger. How many of you got swagger? Anybody show me swagger? You guys got a swagger right there? Yeah, you ever see somebody walk with swagger? Everybody's pointing fingers and calling each other out. You know when somebody's being confident. In fact, you know when they've got swagger because it comes off as cockiness, doesn't it? Arrogance. I love it when I'm watching MMA or boxing. I don't want to watch two people fighting that just love each other. That's boring. I want to see the guy that says he's going to put his foot through your head and then he's going to walk away. Now, I hope he don't really do that, but... One of the guys I really like is Conor McGregor. I wouldn't want my kids to emulate anything Conor McGregor does. He is not a very moral character. But if I'm watching a fight, I want the baddest dude in the room. And to me, he's the baddest dude in the room. He's got swagger. We need to walk like that. Why? He's got confidence. He knows. He's not just saying it. He knows. As a matter of fact, just like Dad was saying, when you lose and you have swagger, it shocks you. You had no expectation of losing. When you experience a defeat and you've got swagger, it shocks you because you had no expectation of losing. But that's where the Christian part comes in. Let me, let me tell you one more story about confidence, about uh, swagger, about, about boasting. Uh, reminds me of a little old lady that was taking a tour of Washington, D.C., and the bus driver was going through the different monuments and buildings, and he was telling a little bit about each one of them. So they stopped at the White House, and he told the bus, he said, you know, this building cost over a million dollars to build, took about a year and a half to build. From the back, he hears this little old woman from Peoria pop up, and she says, 
Well, in Peoria, we would have built it for less and we would have built it quicker. Okay. So he drives on. They come up to the Justice Department building. He says, this building cost even more millions and took two and a half years to build. Sure enough, from the back of the bus, he hears this little old lady pop up and says, in Peoria, we would have built it quicker and we would have built it for less. So he drives up to the Washington Monument. He doesn't say a word. As they start to go by it, the little lady pipes up and says, sir, sir, what's this tall white structure right here? He said, beats me. Wasn't there yesterday. <laughs> what's the point of that story? The point of that story is sometimes when you're boasting, people get tired of hearing about it, right? We ought to be boasting so much about Jesus that people are on the verge of getting tired of hearing about it. In fact, I've experienced that in my life. I've experienced people talking about, you just need to pipe down, stop talking about Jesus, stop talking about pro-life, stop talking about all the Christian issues that are going on. Let's just all get along. In fact, I was at the uh, golf course marshalling one Saturday, and one of my new friends there was talking about how he wished that the churches would do more schools and that you know they could find a way for the government to be able to help offset some of the costs. And his solution was if we would just make the Bible study portion optional. I said, then you don't understand Christian values. You can't separate the Bible study from the rest of your human nature. When you do that, you get exactly what we have. So that's the world trying to accommodate and tolerate because they're tired of hearing about Jesus. We ought not be tired of talking about him, though. We ought to be boasting about him left and right, all day and all night. Let me talk to you about a young man who had swag. His name was David. Guess what? Goliath had swag too. Did you, did you ever think about that? Goliath had swag as well. See, Goliath was a big boy. I don't see my buddy Keith here. Keith's one of the biggest guys I know that's in my life. Keith's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's a big boy. Goliath stood six cubits. Exactly, that's why I didn't, I, I didn't know what a cubit was either. I had to look it up. It said one cubit is 18 inches. So that still don't help me out a whole lot. It's, it's getting better, though. I at least have heard of inches before. Goliath stood over nine feet tall, according to the Bible. Nine feet tall. And he was all muscle. He was a big boy. Big enough that he could taunt the army of Israel, and they didn't even go out to try to take him down. They were scared of him. He defied the ranks of Israel. He wanted to set up a challenge, a winner-take-all situation. He was that confident, that arrogant. He had that kind of swag. David had swag. David was the complete opposite. He was the youngest of eight sons, not even big enough to join the army at this time. He had had some battles with a bear and a lion and been successful. But he was not big enough to get into the army. So he's taking food to his brothers, checking on their status, and he hears about this giant, Goliath, and he hears Goliath taunt God. And David stands up and shows his swag, but he's got Christian swag. See, he stands with Almighty God. He said, the Lord is the one who delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he would deliver him from the hand of Goliath. 
There was no fear. There was swag. There was arrogance. There was cockiness because he knew that that enemy was coming against the Lord God Almighty and nobody could beat the Lord God Almighty. He knew that. He didn't go out there timid. It took him one shot. One shot. And he took this nine-foot giant, this man among men, this hero of the army, took one stone and a little boy to bring him down because he stood with God Almighty. David had swag. He knew where his strength came from. Do you have swag? Do you know where your strength comes from? It's that simple. In whatever situation you're dealing with today, if you'll stand with Almighty God, you will see victory in that situation. Remember Mad Libs? You'd insert nouns, all this kind of stuff. Just insert whatever your problem is. When I stand with Almighty God, fill in the blank is gone. I will have victory over fill in the blank when I stand with Almighty God. If I will look to Almighty God, I will have success wherever I go. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.